I may have a few years on some of you, but equally, I think maybe not. As I get older, the only thing I'm really sure of is that I'm less mature than I thought I was when I was younger. Let's have a think about maturity then. What springs to mind? Well, I'm a bit of a foodie when I first thought about maturity. I pictured a beautiful, ripe cheese, perhaps a Stilton, with veins of that lovely bacteria running through them. Then I thought about a velvety red wine, matured from years laid down, or a rambling rose whose roots have dug deep to find nutrients over the decades. Interesting thoughts about maturity. But actually, the maturity that we're hearing and learning about today from this passage is not that type of maturity. So we can just forget all those images floating in our minds. It's a very different sort of maturity that Paul is trying to tell us about. His maturity is about becoming like Jesus. Well, how can that be possible, I think? How can I possibly, imperfect, grouchy, feeble, impetuous human being, ever be like Jesus? Jesus, who was God in human form, who never sinned. No selfishness, no hard-heartedness, no unkind word, no cheating, no jealousy, no greed, no thoughtlessness. How could it ever be that I could be like him? So let's just remind ourselves where in the Bible this teaching comes that tells us that we can become like Jesus, that we can mature to have the full measure of Christ in us. Do we find it in a letter to a big, successful, well-established church with famous leaders and great publicity? No. We find it sent to a small gathering of some of the very first people who chose to follow Jesus. A little ragbag assortment of people who had experienced for themselves the transforming teaching and life of Jesus and were trying to make sense of this new life that they'd stepped into. They had received the Holy Spirit to help them live as they were called to live. And this letter sets out that new identity that they'd stepped into. In those first few chapters, it's, it's hugely inspirational. They'd stepped into this new identity where their heritage didn't matter, their skills didn't matter, their achievements didn't matter, their status and finance didn't matter, and their gender didn't matter. Completely radical at that time. And this encouraging and inspirational letter declares that they are forgiven, they are released from sin and death, they are a new creation, they are gifted with the Holy Spirit, and it guides them how to carry on living, how to step forward and grow in this new faith that they've stepped into. And of course, what was true for them is true for us. It can teach and guide us on how we can step forward and grow. So I just want to remind us that in the beginning of this letter, the first few chapters, Paul does something really, really important. 
he reminds them about this new identity. He doesn't go in at the end saying, be mature, do this stuff on its own, because that would be just like hot air. He reminds them of their identity, and this is really important for us to grasp as well. Chapter 1, God has adopted them as his children. They are redeemed. They have been taken back by God to his heart because of Jesus' death and resurrection. They have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Their future is assured. By grace, they have been saved and enabled to break free. They are God's precious workmanship. There is no longer a divide between them, no divisions. And now chapter 4, their calling is to be united because that's the way they mature. So it's an awesome identity. And you could take the word they away and replace it with the word us or you or me. And if you need any encouragement in your faith, if you're just stepping out or if you've been in it a while and you're weary, read that passage and put me in there because it is so encouraging. If we step out in this way, we can have this encouragement too. So this identity is really key to our start as followers of Jesus. It changes everything. It is a birth. But once we've been reborn into this amazing identity, we need to grow. And being united in a church is how we grow, how we mature, how we become like Jesus. It's not something we can do on our own. We have to do it together as Jesus's gathered followers. I mean, to be honest, when I found this in this passage, it was a bit unexpected and not altogether welcome. I think we're much more used to having things said like, I have been saved. I have a purpose. I can figure this out. I might wish that Paul had chosen something easier because I think the world's view of maturity, although challenging, is actually easier. We tend to think that the maturity of life comes perhaps through enduring difficulties or perhaps reading helpful books or learning about different things or broadening our experience and our knowledge. All of things we can keep control of. But Paul is absolutely clear here. This is not just about me or you. This is about us all doing things together. We surrender the me, the I, and it becomes us. It's a bit tricky, I think. I think it would be much easier just to walk away, go back to our little caves, and not to engage it's really quite a radical calling and really radically different from, I think, how our Western society works, which is all about me being in control of my life. This is something we have to lay down if we want to follow Jesus. It's quite daunting. However, there is a silver lining. Just 
as Jesus has gifted us this new identity, he also gifts us the ability to do it. And that gift comes through the Holy Spirit. In verse 11, we heard, it was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors or teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that we could be built up and all reach maturity. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts in order to enable us to become united and mature as a body. And there are other gifts too. You remember in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a lovely list of, of gifts, some of them not quite as esoterical as being evangelists and pastors. There's wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing, all sorts, generosity, the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of building the church into maturity. The gifts, it doesn't say they may be given. It says they are given. There's no arguing about it. It's a fact. The gifts are given. And we don't have to not be ourselves. We don't have to, I don't have to make myself into another person but I need to become the person that God has gifted me to be to serve the church. And the same applies to each of us, to become completely the person that God has gifted to this community. Sometimes we might know what gifts the Holy Spirit has given us. Other times we might not be so sure we might need some help in identifying them or knowing how they could possibly be of use in our church. Some of the staff team, um, we're currently doing a course called Emotionally Healthy Leadership. And as part of this, we had an exercise. Catherine and I were paired together. And uh, we had to say something that we appreciated about each other. I really appreciate this about you. And I said to Catherine, Catherine, I really appreciate your huge commitment to the church for doing so much and being so organized. And she replied, Sarah, I really appreciated the time you gave to me the other day when you sat and listened and you were wholly present to me. And we realized that the gift that Catherine had, which I so valued, was one that I so do not have. And the gift that I had, that Catherine had so appreciated, was something that she didn't have because of her commitment and her busyness. It, it, wasn't, it, it was a matter that we were blessing each other. We each had something that the church needed. It was a moment, 1 Corinthians 12, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, though its parts are many, it forms one body. And whilst we shouldn't overlook or undervalue each other's gifts, we also shouldn't undervalue or overlook the gifts that God has given us. It's very easy to think, oh, my gifts don't matter. They've got plenty of those gifts or those gifts. We don't need me. I remember when we were at university, we did a course in our Christian group there where we found out what our fundamental base gift was in life and mine came up as encouragement I was so disappointed I thought this is a really rubbish gift there were other people who were teachers and preachers and evangelists I thought oh yeah 
I've got this womanly gift of encouragement. <laughs> I tell you, that gift of encouragement has brought me so much joy. And as someone in the 8 o'clock service pointed out, you're still doing the encouraging now. I love it. It comes naturally. I thought it was a rubbish gift. But actually, over the years, God has used it in so many different contexts. I don't know why I was so rude about my gift. I was very immature. <laughs> so why are we so quick to denigrate our gifts? It's not about us. It's not us being proud. It's a God-given gift, and it's given for all of us. So we should be celebrating it. We should be shouting it out. I'm an encourager, you know. It's God's gift. And your gifts are God's gift to me and to the rest of us as well. It's not about us. It's about God. I mean, the other day someone said to me, I can't do much these days, but I can pray, and I've been praying for you. It was like a balm to my ears. I so needed those prayers. Now, I'm fairly rubbish at praying. I do pray, of course. It's my job. But... I'm rubbish at it. If I offer to pray for you, or if you ask me to pray for you, you may notice I do it there and then. That's because I forget. So this person that had this gift of prayer, it was so, so precious to me. And it's a mark of maturity in a church that everyone contributes what they have, what the Spirit has given them, because that is the only way that any of us will become mature and be like Jesus. You can't go off on your own. I mean, imagine if we had a church shaped entirely like me, all encouraging, nothing would ever get done. Imagine if it was all only administration. It just doesn't work. We'd be so lopsided. We all need all of the gifts that God has given us. When Andy and I were first married, we lived in Kennington and went to our local church, St. Mark's, which was a really lively and diverse church. And for quite a long time, we weren't exactly sure who the vicar was. Imagine a church like this, but full up the side and full up there on a balcony. And there was a gentleman in a suit that used to just walk around the back. And then one day he came up to me and touched me on the shoulder and said, Sarah, there's people queuing up for prayer for healing. Would you go and be a prayer? I was 24. I'd never even seen this before. I said, I don't know. I can't do that. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. He said, go and stand with someone who's doing it. Watch once and do it. Watch once and do it. I watched once. I did it. And somebody was healed. That was the beginning of a lifetime so far spent with a passion and a prayerful commitment to healing of all sorts. I now know that Nicholas had a gift of discernment. He could see in us what God was gifting us. And he opened that future for me of using that gift and for many, many other people as well. And when we use our gifts the whole church flourishes and we can all become mature. We can become more healing, more forgiving, more loving, more self-sacrificial and more generous. But we need each other and we need the gifts that the Holy Spirit 
gives us. So I have three questions for us this morning. Do you know which gift or gifts the Holy Spirit has given you? And are you using them in the church? Not necessarily just this church, or primarily this church, but the wider Church of Christ across the world. Are you using that gift? And then, are you willing to offer your gift, or perhaps a different gift that you've become aware of, are you willing to offer it to help us all to be built up into maturity? I'm just going to break these down, a few thoughts to lead us, and then we'll have some quiet time. I know it's really annoying when people say, have a think, and then talk. So I'm going to do the talking, and then give us some time to think. So which gift or gifts has the Holy Spirit given you? You may easily be able to think of one. If you know immediately what your gift from the Holy Spirit is, then just make a note of it and put it to one side. And just think on a bit. Is there something else that might be floating around in your subconscious? Something perhaps that God has been stirring up or bringing to your attention recently that you haven't had chance to think about? When we have the silence, ask him to bring that to to your consciousness. Or maybe somebody else has seen a gift in you. This often happens if we are appreciating each other you might hear somebody saying a few times about something they appreciate about you, and that could be a a clue as to what your gift might be. Or it might be something that we're really passionate about. God often gifts us of gifts we want. My daughter and I went to New Wine a few years back. She was about, well, quite a few years back. She was about 11 at the time, and we went to a workshop exploring gifts of the Spirit. We wanted to find out what they were. And the, the... leader just said, pick a gift, a gift that you would like. And we prayed into those. So if nothing comes to mind, pick a gift that you would like. So let's, let's have some quiet then to ask ourselves those questions. Do I know what my gift is? Might there be a new gift for a new season? Then if you've identified a gift or a possible gift or a gift you would like, ask yourself if you are using it 
in the church at the moment? Not necessarily this particular church, the church worldwide, but are you using it in the church? And if the answer is, to be honest, no, not that much, maybe you could ask God to show you how you could use it more. Or inspire you as to how you might offer this gift to the church. And then, ask yourself if you are willing to offer your gift to build us all up to be more like Jesus. Even if you're not sure how it could be used, you might be tending to think, oh, I'm not sure if this is a gift. I'm not sure if it is helpful to anybody else. So, as an act of faith, let's just pray. I offer my gift of then you name it, to you, Lord, to you. Show me how I can use it. And I would encourage us each to set aside a bit of time this week just to revisit this. We've had a very short space of time here. But to find maybe 10, 15 minutes during the week where you can sit quietly and just go through those questions in your own mind and sit and wait for God to bring answers to mind. Or in your daily lives, spot the opportunities that God might be offering to you. And then I've got one final really embarrassing thing for us to do. Would you please tell somebody else what gift you think God might have given you? Or if you're not sure if he's yet given you a gift, tell somebody else the gift that you would love for him to give you for the good of the church. Because it's not about embarrassment. It's not our personal pride speaking. It's about sharing what God is doing and sharing what is needed to bring us all to maturity. Remember, you can't mature without me. I can't mature without you. Each part of us needs to seize hold of the gift that God has given us and use it for each other.